The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Raising the Bar with your host, Amy Bredo. Do you ever listen to that inner voice? The one that tells you that you can achieve great things just by giving yourself a little push? Making that voice heard is what this show is all about. What if you could turn your negatives into positives? You'll hear from others who have embraced that personal drive and will help you raise the bar. Now, here is Amy Bredo. Good morning, everybody. Happy Thursday. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, We're doing something a little different today. We're actually live on um, the Voice America Network on the Empowerment Channel, and we're also live on the Raising the Bar Facebook page. So for any of you that are listening that are not on that page, you can hop on to kind of watch the episode while you listen. But obviously, I'm sitting in a room by myself, so please enjoy how awkward that is with me. Um, I'm really excited to introduce to you today's guest. She is really close to my heart just in the few interactions that I've had with her. And we're also going to be talking about something that's so hugely important to me and uh, to those of our listeners that are really in full support of the Echo Foundation and just vulnerable children in general. I want to introduce to you my friend Joyce Moffat. She um, is the Northern Chicago Area Chapter Director of Safe Families for Children. If you're not familiar with the Safe Families program, we're going to really dive into that, but um, it's basically a program that helps families out that are in some desperate situations, and it also enables parents to not um, have their children get caught in the system. We all know that there are some uh, major issues with the foster care system. There's also some good things. But uh, this is a really, really great foundation, great organization, and I'm so happy to be able to talk about it today. Uh, Joyce is a licensed welfare worker who has actually 30 years experience working with children and their families. Prior to coming to Safe Families, she worked at a residential treatment center for adolescents, and she also worked with two different foster care agencies. Uh, Joyce has been with Safe Families since 2012, but since 95, uh, she's also been a master trainer with the Department of Children and Youth Family Services. And in this capacity, she taught classes on adoption, reunification for families, helped uh, with meeting the educational needs of children, foster care, and also taught trauma classes. Uh, Joyce, you have degrees in psychology and sociology and a whole lot of experience, and I'm just so happy that you're here. Thank you so much for joining us today. Absolutely. Thank you so much. I'm uh, excited about this opportunity. I know we spoke about it quite a while ago, and uh, it's just interesting how everything has fallen into place here at um, Raising the Bar and through the Echo Foundation. We've really been able to focus a lot more lately on um, just things that I know not only move my heart, but the hearts of you and a lot of our listeners. So would you like to give us a little bit of background on Safe Families? So Safe Families started in 2002, so we are fairly young. Um, We like to call ourselves a movement of compassion because we really um, are striving to be 
um, a volunteer movement that is professionally supported. And so it's the individuals and families that step forward from um, the, particularly the area I oversee in the Chicago area that just have a heart, like you were talking about, for kind of at-risk children and families that are in these desperate uh, situations and, and just come across some uh, very difficult crises. And not only do they have that going on, but they do not have a um, reliable safety net around them. Like if you or I, Amy, were to fall into a crisis, I'm sure... Um, both of us would have people to turn to, whether it would be family or friends, that could mm-hmm. just help us through that rough patch. Right. Um, whereas the the referrals that we get to, say, families, a parent can self-refer or they can um, be referred on behalf of, oh, someone like a school social worker or a mental health worker, um, a domestic violence shelter, drug addiction uh, treatment facility. And um, when, they, when they're calling us, they are so desperate, you know, they're looking for strangers because uh, they don't have a, a safety net themselves to just step in and help them. So, like I said, it started in 2002. Um, our executive director, Dr. Dave Anderson, um, uh, just came up with this idea. He was um, overseeing a foster care agency, and like you said, foster care is necessary but one of the huge constraints is they cannot step in until there's been some type of indicated abuse or neglect. And like you were sharing in my bio, I do have um, quite a bit of experience at foster agencies, and just time and time and time again, I have seen once there's an indicated report of abuse or neglect, the problems are so big and things are so far down the line that Although there's good intention in the foster care program, it's, it's, it's almost, in many cases, too little, too late. And those kids, if you look at the statistics, um, just have horrific outcomes as far as homelessness, you know, in their future, incarceration. I mean, just every statistic that you look at is very bleak, you know, on the big picture with foster care. So the cool I thing was, about oh, these families is, is we can help. Um, in that preventative square before things have got so difficult. Right. So, you know, it's interesting. I just had a woman on um, pretty recently that was actually, she was in foster care for five years from ages 13 to 18. And I did not realize that the statistics um, for, you know, the the statistics for the incarceration levels of foster children is so high. It was over 80% of, um, you know, it, it just it baffles me and it's so unfortunate you know and there are families out there that do uh, host foster care children and God bless them and then there's also some families that maybe do it for some different reasons I like what you're saying that I think it's such a huge message to send to our listeners that people or parents in desperate situations and crisis can actually phone the organization and and basically what just say like hey I lost my job I have four kids I don't know what I'm going to do. Can somebody please get them? Can somebody help me? Like, you know, in those, we all have those moments as parents where we think we're going to crack, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. but sometimes those moments are so real um, and the stress is immeasurable. So is there a 24-hour number that people can call to get attention and help right away? Absolutely. You know, and... You know, just every day, I you know, there's just multiple news stories. I'll I'll give you a, a, just a quick 
um, one that we're dealing with right now, and then I'll give you that phone number. So a mom called us um, on her own saying she was jobless, um, homeless, and um, because of how desperate things had come, and three kids, how desperate things had become, she was living with a quote-unquote friend, and when we had her come in the office and talk to her a little bit uh, more about it, um, and with other information we've gathered, we've helped her several different times. You know, in the end, not only is she in a, a very, very dangerous uh, domestic violence situation, but we also have strong reason to believe that she's had to turn to some very illicit activities to try and just survive and feed her children, which has become, raised the bar for even a more dangerous situation. So we've got the kids in care, and we're working on getting her to a domestic, or she was yesterday gone to a, a domestic violence shelter to address these extremely serious issues that it you know, it's probably a little too graphic to get into no, it's um, okay. in this conversation, but it's, you know, these are very precarious situations. So the number that um, people can call that has 24-hour coverage would be 773-653-2200. And like I said, it goes to an on-call number after hours, and we can certainly um, respond quickly uh, to those situations, because when they call us, they're maybe living out of a car. They right. might be living in this very dangerous situation I just described. Um, and so we train our volunteers that, you know, oftentimes we need to, um, you know, just respond right away. This isn't something we often have days to get in place. So so we do a train our volunteers on that. And the, the one little guy, you know, we just took in those three kids. The one little guy, his mom wasn't able to get him to, or excuse me, his, we, we refer to them as a host family, the one right. that will be um, taking care of these kids. Uh, wouldn't be ready to the following day, so this little uh, eight- or six-year-old spent the night with me. So, I mean, we, we are very hands-on and very responsive because right. we know these are uh, very uh, crisis situations. And you and your your husband are actually a host family as well. So I, I read that and I um, I think it's awesome. And I know you and I have, have talked about even my family getting involved um, as a safe family or as a support. And I want people to know that, that are listening, you know, just because, you know, if you want to support um, safe families for children and there's for some, some reason that maybe right now isn't the season for you to be a host family, I would love for them to know that there's also opportunities for them to um, be in many different support situations. I do want people that are listening to know that I will be posting that number on the Raising, Bar, Raising the Bar Facebook page, also on my social media on Facebook, Twitter, and on Instagram. So my handle for all my social media is actually at Amy Bredo. So if you do have any questions and you can't remember any of the phone numbers or uh, specific websites that you hear on the show today, please do feel free to follow those uh, social media handles or email us at amy.raisingthebar at gmail.com for any of this information. And I know Joyce will repeat those numbers in the website before our show is over, but I just wanted to put it out there so in case anybody was listening while they were driving, they weren't scrambling. in those moments when, say, you're hosting a child, and, and it was that just one particular child that spent the night with you that night, or was it all three kids? No, fortunately, we had homes that could respond immediately. You know, for the other the other two, 
um, and we had a home for the third child, it just wasn't going to be available till the following day. I so, just had the one little guy. Okay. Do I'm just curious too. Do they try to keep the siblings together though more often than not, or is that just difficult when there's multiple children? I was just curious. Yeah, that is a great question. And I know when I was moving from the world of foster care into safe families, that was, you know, a very strong question that I also had because obviously it's already traumatic for kids. Even if they're in a crisis situation, it's traumatic for kids to be um, removed from their parents. And so um, it's interesting, uh, you know, I've changed my opinion a little bit as I've really gotten into safe families. You know, ideally it is great if we can keep kids together. But, you know, we are very different than foster care in that um, we our stays are usually shorter than what they are. You know, we can get families back together quicker. And we do, by the way, have a 90, I mean, this is pretty impressive, a 90% return um, percentage to mom or a family member. Awesome. So we're very proud of that statistic. We want to keep it that high. Right. Um, but in order, um, so a couple cool things about, you know, your question is when, let's say we have this family of three. Well, we do. Um, right. We actually have those kids in three different families, but right away we connect them. So okay. we have just woven a, a bigger safety net for mom because now instead of just one host family being involved. We've got three. And then we usually try and get those families in a safe family network where they're geographically close to each other. So they can be providing babysitting for each other, you know, some overnight care. Um, And we, like I said, we've got just that much of a bigger safety net and opportunity to connect with mom with some healthy um, supportive relationships. And the other thing is our volunteers are non-compensated so if, you know, and some of these families that got involved in, the, in this situation I was just describing have a few kids of their own, so they're, they're very busy households. And, you know, it's a lot easier for a family when they're doing this on a volunteer basis to absorb one child, you know, already, right. you know, one child into their own family, just even financially. Um, the other cool thing about it is that child gets, just gets such focused attention. The little guy that I, the six-year-old that I got to the family yesterday, she she sent me some, um, texted me some photos. It was so fun to see because obviously he was a little scared going to a new right. family. Now I was trying to describe to him what the family had, a dog, and they had a little boat and a little lake, and he was so excited. So they sent me a picture of him in the boat with um, um, the host mom, obviously right there. Everybody was uh, um, life jackets on. But you right. know, him <laughs> a little, and this super huge grin on his face just being doted on by all that attention, and they have a couple older kids, and he was just playing and playing with the kids, and so, but, you know, they're all, the, the, the three families are already working on play dates, you know, with them, so it actually can work very well, you know, which, which I, that kind of had to be proved to me coming out of the world of foster care, but, you know, for the reasons I just shared, I, I've seen some very, very cool things. That's amazing. You know, we just have about uh, two and a half minutes till the break, but I do like what you're saying. You know, that was my first concern as I wasn't sure if geographically the host families would be would be close, but I love that it really is about community involvement. And so I really want to talk about that when we come back from the break. Um, also, if you figure too, if if the mom had to be getting herself involved in some things that maybe aren't good a good idea, you know, her attention was probably not able to really focus on her kids 
as a, as a group, much less as individuals. And I'm not trying to take anything away from the mother, but it's probably um, a good support and kind of healthy one-on-one interaction for each child to kind of have that attention, per se. You Absolutely. Know? Mm-hmm. And a lot of times, you know, because they've been in such a stressful situation, the kids might come in, and not that the mom doesn't love the child, but she's under so much stress and just trying to survive that so we might have some, um, they might be behind on their shots, they might be behind on maybe a dental appointment, you know, um, they might need to get some testing done, whether it's early intervention or testing from the school to kind of see where they're at. But sometimes the biggest thing we can offer these kids is get them caught up on some of this stuff so when mom does get them back, you know, she's just got her head above the water a little bit. So, again, when we have one child in a the home, they can kind of just focus on, on where we're at, what some of the different things I talked about, and, and just really go after helping mom get them caught up and evaluated and whatnot um, on the things they need. So, again, much easier to do with one child than three. Right. And I mean, I'm, I know I personally have four kids. So I think if, if, if it was me, I could probably figure out a way to take two. But right, it does make sense to, to have one come in. And I'm sure there's families out there that have taken sibling groups as well. Um, yep. Just in the last moment here, before we go to our first break, let's talk about just give the website address and that phone number one more time. Uh, and then when we come back from break, we'll talk more about it. So where okay. again, do you so, think, go uh, ahead. Our website address is www.safe-families.org. Um, and hopefully when we come back, we can talk about some of those different volunteer roles besides hosting. Um, but certainly get that information on the website. And then the phone number for 24-hour coverage is 773-653-2200. I love that. And thanks for sharing that information. Again, we just have, you know, we're live today, which is interesting. So I need to make sure I kind of talk to the last second. (laughs) But um, I just want to encourage parents or anybody out there that's listening, you know, if you're in a rough spot, please reach out. Even if you're not sure you need the help, it's better to call and just get some some wisdom and maybe some guidance and, and not feel like you're on your own. We are going to go take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk more with Joyce Moffitt and how uh, you can get involved with Safe Families. your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Have you considered expanding your family through adoption, but don't know where to start? Are you looking to get some answers and direction on how and where to start? Reach out to the community at the Echo Foundation. The Echo Foundation offers five distinct areas of support. For those children in need throughout the world, we are here to support you and guide you through your process and beyond. For more information, please visit amybrado.com and click on the Echo Foundation. That's amybrado.com and click the Echo Foundation. There are over 147 million orphans and at-risk children in the world. It's a global problem, but you can make a huge difference. You can help from home or on the ground serving opportunities. Please visit amybrado.com and click on the Echo Foundation tab to request more information 
Our vision is to build a self-sustaining ecosystem of ideas, individuals, and organizations equipped to carry out the mission of hope for every orphan in the world. Help us with our goal of helping every child in need. Visit amybrado.com. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. You're listening to Raising the Bar with Amy Bredo. We'd love to hear from you with any comments or questions about the show. The email address is amy.raisingthebar at gmail.com. That's amy.raisingthebar at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. And hello, we are back. Today we're live. I'm very excited about that. It stresses me out just a little bit. <laughs> but um, Joyce Moffat and I are just talking about a great uh, program slash organization slash foundation, however you want to label it, called Safe Families for Children. Um, it is based in the Midwest. I know that you are in more you are in more than one state, and we will talk about that. But just coming back to regroup, we were just talking about how uh, if there's a crisis situation and there's somebody that really needs some help with their kids, in fact, so desperate that they reach out to strangers to help, this is definitely the place to call. And again, those of you who are maybe just joining us, please feel free to send us an email or follow uh, me on social media, and I will be posting all the information that you need. So, Joyce, we were just... Um, talking about a family you were working with just this week. And I would love to just really um, share some success stories with some of our listeners. I know that sometimes parents get into situations that are, um, I can only think of the words self-inflicted and not even meaning that in a disrespectful way, but sometimes based upon the way we are raised, uh, it is a refle- it's reflected on the way we also raise our children. So I know there are some desperate situations in there. It, with something like that, uh, where maybe there was an instance of a parent maybe not being rehabilitated or, or um, recurrent issues, how does Safe Families respond to a situation like that? Does that question make sense? Um, I think so. So you're looking for. I actually asked I two questions, which I. Sh- I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, I apologize. I actually asked two things. Before we share a lot of the success stories, my one question okay. was if there's a situation where you've taken in children for a specific family, maybe on more than one occasion, if there seems yes. to be a pattern and the parent isn't uh, maybe on the right path, is there a way that yep. you intercede to really plan well for the kids? Oh, yeah, that is a great question. Um, so I'll address the one about, you know, what we call them as kind of a repeat right. placement or um, with safe families. And actually, it ties perfect into the example I was just giving you of this uh, woman that we're trying to help right now. Um, we had helped her quite a few times going back the last two years. And so um, I think it was June we returned her kids. Uh, for the la- from the last hosting, and so then she was calling us here in August asking for more help, and so we just really pulled up all the records to count the number of times we've helped and what the goals were for her for each of those hostings. Parents do need to identify goals, what they're going to be working on, um, and then it's our job to come alongside them uh, and help them meet those goals. I can talk about that in a, a minute, what that piece looks like, but... Um, 
So we, we pulled up all those records and we're like, okay, it doesn't look like, you know, we're kind of always back at the same spot with this mom. So mm-hmm. we want to help, but before we're going to do that, we're going to do things a little different. And so um, instead of just mom calling up and saying, hey, I need some help, and we do some initial paperwork and then we place the kids, we said, right. uh, no, mom's going to need to come in the office this time and we're going to have to sit down and kind of assess alongside mom where we're at. And so she did come into the office. I uh, was there as um, representing a supervisor from the, the coaching side, which we haven't quite talked about yet. But um, And then the supervisor of the intake um, office sat down with mom. And, and, and not in a confrontive way, but just like, hey, mom, you know, we want to help, but I think we just need to, to have a few conversations of the past and you know, if we're able to get involved, what the future is going to look like. So we went over some of those things and and shared with her some of our data and then asked for some feedback from her as far as how she saw things, et cetera, et cetera. And so what, you know, after this dialogue, what we came up with was, hey, mom, we do want to help you. You know, safety seemed to be the preeminent issue. And when we got safety, I mean, very serious safety for her and the kids, that just has to supersede everything. So... Um, you know, that was our top priority, but we said, Mom, for you to be safe, we need you, you know, based on the information you're sharing, we really need you um, to get yourself to a domestic violence shelter, to, to get a full-time caseworker that can help, you know, not only with counseling around this issue and the other things that were happening as a result of the, the domestic violence, um, and they could also really be helping you not only find a job and, and get some housing, uh, most of the shelters are tied to transitional living programs. You know, she'd have a right boots on the ground working with her every day on these issues. And so we said, you know, that's what we think is going to need to be different about this whole thing. You know, us in the past have taken in the kids and you've tried to work on these things with our coach. You know, we need to just step it up a little bit, particularly for your safety. And so, you know, that's the plan we're working on is getting her... So, so we didn't put it as an ultimatum, but in our mind, it was the only way we're going to say family's going to step back in if, if things look different, and and that would have to be her in a her in a full time facility that we would have ongoing with our coach having ongoing conversations with her caseworker there, uh, monitoring her progress. So we said we were just going to do this week to week, and okay. um, and so that's how we so we just can kind of raise the bar if we we start out. Um, you know, we'll just pretty much take any child, if we have volunteers that will step in, you know, for for most reasons, you know, just very few exclusions, um, and really come from a place of compassion. And with this situation, when there's been, you know, repeated hostings, we just have to do things a little different. And so that's how we set that one up. And there are, there are um, you know, I guess I'm not very familiar. I know there's domestic abuse shelters and there's women and children shelters. I just was never sure how long somebody can actually stay at one of those. I wasn't sure if it oh. was a nightly or if it is residential. I wasn't sure how that worked. So um, I'm glad to hear that. I I wasn't even sure, you know, sometimes I was, well, one of my questions was, is there coaching available for the parents? And I know we had touched on it, you know, when we met up uh, for coffee yep. that one day, but it's good to know that, yes, you're, the children are in a great, safe, loving environment and being cared for, but there is a lot of a lot of productive activity supposed to be going on with the parents as well so that these things don't repeat. Do you find... Oh, absolutely. So, oh, go ahead. 
That's okay. Do you find that there are a lot of repeaters? You know, we do get a significant amount. And if you think about it, you know, when somebody comes to us who doesn't have housing, doesn't have a job, and, and has kids and doesn't have daycare, you know, that situation, you know, we all like to think, you know, we can kind of wave a magic wand and we're going to just, you know, in a couple of weeks get right. fixed. <laughs> right, and right. It's just usually, that's just not realistic. So our hostings run anywhere from two days up to a year. Our oh, wow. average okay. host, yeah, our average hostings, you know, we say 45 days, but, you know, that's, that's taking into account those really quick two-day ones where maybe mom's just going in the hospital, has nowhere to maybe give birth to another child, she has nowhere safe for the, the other, her other kids to stay, but she already has a job and housing and so on and so forth. You know, so it, it, that's statistics going in. But when we have a mom that needs housing, job, and daycare, we, we usually are looking anywhere from a, a three- to six-month hosting because, you know, we don't want to set the kids back prematurely because it's just all going to fall apart. But anyway, so let's right. say we take in a mom like that. We work with her for, let's say, you know, six months and the kids go back. You know, it's not uncommon because they are living from paycheck to paycheck. You know, one thing goes, if their their child gets sick, let's say this mom we've, we've helped, and um, um, daycare says you can't bring a sick child, and so she has nowhere for the child to go, so she ends up staying home. And let's say, you know, it's, I don't know, more serious um, situation with the child where there's, you know, multiple days where that has to happen. Kind of like a house of cards. Things can fall apart fairly quickly with just one thing um, falling through. So we try and tell the moms it's actually a sign of strength that if you find yourself in that situation where you do have that sick child and you don't have the daycare and you're just struggling, things are starting to fall apart, we're like, please call us back. That is not a sign of a weakness. That's a sign of a strength that you know um, to reach out before things completely go south and get some help. We love to get involved in those situations where maybe we'll just, you know, we have this other role of a family friend where we'll just go to a full-blown hosting, but maybe the previous host family or a different volunteer will do a little bit of daycare or run the child to some appointments or whatever it takes to keep mom, you know, on her feet type of thing and not have all her progress you know, uh, go away within a matter of two weeks. So we do have some repeat hostings, and like I said, we, we prepare our volunteers for that. We sometimes compare to, like, if you or I, Amy, had a relative that was kind right. of borderline uh, kind of making it as far as parenting, you know, I think we all might have uh, Aunt Susie or, uh, you know, who knows, an Aunt Colleen or something that, yeah, she, she really loves her kids, but she kind of stumbles along, and the family knows it. Every once in a while she needs some help. You know, that's what we kind of think about our families that we walk into. And, and we try and train our volunteers that, you know, if at all possible, if you could become kind of like an extended family network, whereas right. maybe this um, mom who's socially isolated, you know, you help, we helped her get on her feet, but then, you know, maybe at a holiday or maybe once a week after the hosting, you'll have those kids for the weekend or something. You're just, you're just, just doing what families do for each other, you know. Like the fun aunt or the grandparent. But okay. it's really cool when it does because, and again, if we've had three families that have been helping in the past, then she's got a few people to call on, you know, to just kind of be there as a support, whether it's via phone. You know, a lot of our volunteers really earn the right to kind of speak into 
the lives of these single moms. And it's amazing how quick the walls go down with these moms when they see these families are doing it for free and that they just really care about their kids. And the, the, the bridge between the, what we call the placing mom in foster care, they call the bio mom, we like to use different ter- terminology. Yeah. The placing mom and the host mom make the connection, you know, and, and that um, host mom can, can mentor that mom a little bit, even beyond the, and be a support, even beyond the official hosting. That makes my heart so happy to hear about the relationships that develop between the host mom and, um, Oh my gosh, how did I just speak? I almost said birth mom. (laughs) Please forgive me, the placing parent. (laughs) You know, uh, because I think such a beautiful friendship can develop out of that, especially for people that were never exposed to a healthy family dynamic. Um, Is, you know, and I, and we can move forward from the repeat families. I just wonder to, you know, do a lot of times that kids are placed again, do they sometimes go back to that safe family where that relationship has already been established? Absolutely. We will awesome. always try, try, you know, try that first. And the bottom, okay. you know, I'll say this quickly. The bottom line is, you know, a lot of, a lot of volunteers are attracted to safe families because they just hate the idea of thinking kids here and across our country are living out of cars and, and that's just not right. Or, you know, going hungry. We, we, many of our kids, you know, have gone hungry in these situations. That's just horrible to think about here in you know, our communities. And so that's what initially can draw people to safe families as a volunteer. But quickly, you know, via training and and talking to other experienced host families, you know, quickly our families need to to, to come to the realization that if you want to help a child, if you really are interested in helping a child, you've got to also be extremely interested in redeeming a parent, what we term redeeming a parent. Amen. uh, Meaning help them get on their feet because that's what the kids really want. Um, and that's the best outcome uh, for kids to be with their own parents whenever it's possible. So that's, you know, yeah. that's, that's what we're striving for. You know, I I wish um, for I I'm you know I'm so grateful and so thankful that God put it on you know Dave's heart to start this organization. You know, he told me the story of what really. Um, you know, was that that life-changing, defining moment into developing a program like this, you know, that day that, um, you know, it just sparked into his heart. You know, in my own experience, I have a lot of, I think empathy is the right word for the mothers and the children. I mean, my own mom was a single mom for most of my life. We lived in a car for a few weeks, and it wasn't because my mom was a bad mom. She was really struggling. And you know what, in the 70s, now I'm talking about my age, <laughs> that that wasn't something that was available. So fortunately, you know, I did get placed in some care, but I was with family. So I think yeah. I was really lucky. I was really lucky because that family saw my mom struggling and they were like, hey, you need to let us help. Give us joint guardianship so that if something ever happens to you, nothing happens to Amy. You know, mm-hmm. and, and um, I've been, mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. as an adult, as an adult, I've been able to, you know, talk a lot about this with my mom, with my, you know, I call them aunt and uncle, but they're my mom's cousins. And um, I have a really good understanding for it now that I'm a grown up and that I'm a parent. I love my mom. Mm-hmm. I realize it was the best thing. So I really want to be, you know, give you like a absolutely call and ask for help if you need it. We have just a few minutes before our next break, but let's talk about the different um, 
areas that Safe Families is available in. We are in Chicagoland, so Illinois is an approved state. What are the other states for people that sure. are listening? So we're, sure, we're in about 30 different states. So this is really a national movement. Oh, that's um, huge. Chicago is the national headquarters where it all started. But since 2002, it's grown extremely rapidly. So we're currently in um, 30 different states, actually five different countries. Oh, my gosh. And um, in some of our states, we have certainly multiple offices. So if I remember correctly, um, when we have multiple sites in these different um, states, uh, we have different what we call chapter offices, and I think we're over a hundred for our chapter offices. So it's not a small movement. Um, since 2002, uh, we placed over 7,000 children into 1,400 different homes. Um, we have more than a thousand uh, host families. Uh, I, I think I mentioned we have this 90% return rate to either mom or a relative. Right. Um, so we just have so much going on. Maybe after the break, we can even talk about a, a current national campaign. We've got some very ambitious goals Absolutely. that we're working on. I'd, I'd love to even share a little bit about that. Yeah, I, my, I'm sitting here with goosebumps. You know, I knew that Safe Family was Safe Families was growing, and I actually first learned about Safe Families probably about eight years ago. And I had no idea that it had grown to 30 states already. And so, you know, amen to that. It is uh, Mm -hmm. such an amazing cause. Now, because I'm not going to ask you to list all 30 states, what are the five countries? Do you know those off the top of your head? You might ask me that. I'll do my best. (laughs) Okay, just try. I I was just curious about Um, it. We have listeners all over the world. um, uh, Operations director, he could do a better job. But, um, I know we uh, probably our biggest um, presence in another country would be the United Kingdom. Awesome. Uh, we have quite a bit going on there. We have, I'm just trying to list them out here because I don't, from the top of my head here. We've I apologize. Going, oh, it's okay. We've got things going on in Africa. Amen. Um, I, we have things going on in um, Canada. I know we have discussions going on in India. Um, I was just at a, a, a national conference, not for say families, but we were a table at another uh, national conference. We were talking to people from Mexico. I mean, it's just amazing um, how it's growing in the other countries. So that's probably the best I can do right now. Off just off the top of my head, I'm, I apologize that I don't. No, have I put you. I. Sorry, that's my that's my fault. It's amazing, and, and you know, in, in talks with India oh, yeah, right. and Mexico, in talks with India and Mexico and everything, that's that's great because I know that there's a lot of need in both of those countries. I do want to encourage listeners again to please send any emails to amy.raisingthebar at gmail.com. Uh, you're listening to myself and the wonderful Joyce Moffat from Safe Families for Children. We're going to take a quick break here. We'll be back in just a few moments and we are looking forward to sharing more. us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. There are over 147 million orphans and at-risk children in the world. It's a global problem, but you can make a huge difference. You can help from home or on the ground serving opportunities. 
Please visit amybrado.com and click on the Echo Foundation tab to request more information. Our vision is to build a self-sustaining ecosystem of ideas, individuals, and organizations equipped to carry out the mission of hope for every orphan in the world. Help us with our goal of helping every child in need. Visit amybrado.com. Have you considered expanding your family through adoption, but don't know where to start? Are you looking to get some answers and direction on how and where to start? Reach out to the community at the Echo Foundation. The Echo Foundation offers five distinct areas of support. For those children in need throughout the world, we are here to support you and guide you through your process and beyond. For more information, please visit amybrado.com and click on the Echo Foundation. That's amybrado.com and click the Echo Foundation. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. You're listening to Raising the Bar with Amy Bredo. We'd love to hear from you with any comments or questions about the show. The email address is amy.raisingthebar at gmail.com. That's amy.raisingthebar at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. Hello, and another beautiful situation of being live on our show today is that something happened uh, with our we had a technicality and our, our guest is missing, but we will find her in a moment. But if you're just joining us, I have been speaking with Joyce Moffitt from Safe Ch- Families for Children. Uh, that website is safe-families.org. And um, I, I hope I got that right, but I would love for you to uh, really investigate this program. And I'm going to double check my facts on that web address because I think I may have messed that up. But, oh, here she is. Hey, Joyce. Where did you? I don't know where you went, but we missed you. Welcome I don't back. Know. I could hear you both. Of, I could hear you, but I oh. <laughs> I'm not sure what happened. That's okay. It's so not a problem at all. So we were just talking about some of the initiatives of Safe Families and how it is going worldwide. And the thing that's cool is we actually have listeners in a ton of countries. So it'll be awesome to just see what God does with this, how it brings people together in the U.S., the United Kingdom, Canada. Africa and the one we couldn't remember. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But um, let's talk about how people get involved. You know, we've given a lot of examples and talked about families, and you're welcome to wrap that up. But I would love for people to really know how they can get involved. I know locally here uh, where I'm at in Illinois, there's a training coming up, I believe, on Sunday, October 15th in Crystal Lake it's at the. Saturday. It's a Saturday. Oh, just kidding. It's this Saturday? No, 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 no. It is in October. I'm just double-checking. Um, oh, it's on a give you the exact right date. Um, so I may not know my dates. I may not know my websites. And I clearly don't know what day of the week it is, but we're going to find out because I'm actually going to go. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Okay. So it would be on... Oh, I've got so many trainings in October. I'm still checking on that. Um, That's Okay. We can list that on the site as well. But what are what are these trainings like? I, what, are, what do we here. learn? Yeah, it would be October fifteenth. It's a Saturday. Okay, and it so would I had to be at uh, Willow Creek Church in Crystal Lake. Right, and if anybody and I that do is, have a, a registration link, people oh. do have to register. So I'd be happy to either um, give that to you um, for you to post. Would that be the best way to go? 
Absolutely. And again, we'll list the websites too. So anybody listening, we will have all this information posted. Uh, What can I expect that day on October 15th? Sure. So um, what we're going to be doing is the training runs from 8.30 to 1 o'clock. Okay. Um, Anyone that's registered can come. We will provide breakfast and lunch. The church does here in um, uh, Crystal Lake. Oh, okay. uh, from 8.30 to 9 are the, we fingerprints, so, you know, obviously taking in somebody's child is a big responsibility, so we do do background checks, so the fingerprinting would happen from 8.30 till 9, and then um, from 9 to 1, the training will run. The first part of the training is for people that are, uh, you know, for all volunteers, um, and let me describe those volunteer roles to you. We have either um, the host families, which obviously we've already talked some about today. Uh, the I... other roles that we have are something that we call a family friend. Family friends can do support activities around either a host family or a placing parent. So a support activity around a host family would look like maybe offering babysitting so they could get a night out. People have been very creative. They might even just send a pizza. To the family oh, that's on the so great! Night of their hosting, just because we know, you know, that first night's probably going to be particularly busy. Right. Um, so there's all sorts of ways to provide support to host families. When we're talking about providing support to a placing parent, I get really excited about that because they're ones that are willing to come alongside these moms and sit and talk to them about their goals and help them. You know, maybe mom needs help with um, getting on a budget. Maybe mom needs help putting together a resume, or even driving around mom to different um, uh, places where she can put in her application and have okay. interviews. So, so cool um, when we have family friends that want to help uh, parents. Sometimes, you know, it's just so daunting, the different things that you need to work on. So just to have kind of a friend to come alongside and help them uh, is so helpful. So we've got those host families, we've got the family friends, and then people don't even have to be directly involved, but they could be something, uh, another role is resource friends, where that would be just goods or services. Like okay. I today, uh, before this call, was just meeting with someone that's a beautician, and she said, hey, you know, I'm not going to host, I'm not going to be a family friend, but I'd sure be willing to cut, I say, family child care pro bono type of thing. So it might be oh, a love that. that they have to offer. Yeah, or it might even be... Um, you know, gift cards so that the child might be able to go to Target and for the first time pick out one or two outfits, new outfits for them. You know, so Target gift cards are huge. You know, different people do drives for us, whether they're diapers, um, um, gift card drives, you know, fleece blanket drives. You know, sometimes people get together and do those tie knot blankets and whatnot. So it's so cool when people are so generous, you know, and can just help these, uh, kids feel special and offset just a you know a small part of the uh, expense involved in this. So really, really cool. So other volunteer roles, believe it or not, we even um, sometimes are trained uh, host families or maybe somebody with some type of social work background um, is interested. We even have a training for coaches. And I've, I've used that word a couple times, but to every hosting arrangement, we assign a coach to kind of oversee what's going on. They're kind of like the quarterback. And so they're checking in with the host family, how they're doing. They're checking in with the placing parent, making sure what they have. So that's another really cool opportunity for people to to volunteer. There is an additional training. So anyways, those are some of the the key different ways people can can serve in this um, 
movement. And so on that day then, getting back to the specific training day, they're going to get fingerprinted. Then they're going to go into the training time. Everybody stays for the morning session, um, whether you want to be a family friend or a host family. Those two categories of volunteer need to be in our system. Um, they need to fill out applications. Uh, we meet with them the after the training, you know, on a different date that's convenient for them to, to visit their home. There's a little bit of paperwork we need to do, safety checklists in the home and whatnot. Um, so, anyways, everybody stays for the morning, whether it's a family friend or the host family. Then, if the family friends want to leave after the, the morning session, they can. And then, or they can stay. We always invite them to stay for the afternoon session. And we just continue to do some more specific training uh, with the ones that are going to be actually hosting the kids in their home. Um, we do follow some of the best practices along the lines of foster care. Right. Um, we do use some of the training from there, but it's it's just because of best practice. You know, this is totally different. They're not at all becoming uh, foster parents. are just going to become, or they will be becoming approved host families in our system. Right. You know, and I want to I want to let people know, too, that it's a really great opportunity to get friends involved. And I can just say with my own experience with safe families that I did have years back, you know, there was a, a family that had a baby. So the host the host family's the mother's name was Donna. She had a baby. And I want to say, like, right when she got home from the hospital, they got a call. Could you take a newborn? And they did, which I was like, are you loco? Because they had a bunch of kids. But, you know, they took in this new they took in this newborn. And I can remember getting a phone call from a girlfriend like they need all this stuff. I at the time had younger children. I think I called three or four girlfriends. And between us, I think we were able to get a chunk, a trunk load of baby clothes and diapers and bottles and extra things that they would need for a double set of newborns, you know? So basically they had twins. And the cool thing about that family is that it did end up presenting an opportunity that they could adopt that newborn and they did. So I just, I want people to know that even if your friends don't come to this training to be a buddy, you can get other people involved and it creates so much excitement and it feels so good to help people. Right, so kind of what you were describing there, Amy, would be just you had, you know, your own network of friends, and they became kind of your resource people, mm-hmm. uh, or, or excuse me, you became a resource person for the, your friend that was hosting the child, and that is is really, really cool, and it's just so great when, you know, people get into this thinking they're helping um, a child and, the, and and their family, which they definitely are. But it, it has profound effect and, and transformation on, on the volunteers that step into this ministry because it's going to put you in contact with people that you otherwise never would um, likely become in contact with. You're going to learn things from this placing mom um, when you get to know her, like, oh, my gosh, this person is so resilient and maybe has a thing or two to treat me, <laughs> or excuse me, not to treat me, to teach, uh, teach me. <laughs> So it's so cool, you know, um, a lot, so many times the whole family thing, I, I got into this to help. I had no idea, you know, how much I was going to learn and grow and be stretched as a result of, of stepping into this. Uh, it's just, it's just amazing. And like I said, we do have that return rate and it is our goal that every child's going to go back to their parents. You know, if they, um, we want to keep it at that 90%. If they want to look at all other alternatives, then we certainly will help them get to the right people outside of safe families to help them kind of think through what those other options are. And, and, and we'll be supportive of that too. But that is a very, very, very low percentage of our cases. You know, I, I'm, 
again, I'm so grateful for that because the kids that end up sometimes getting stuck in a foster care system, what it costs legally to re recoup your family, I don't know how else to say that, you know, is really tough. We just have about three, little over three minutes left in the show. But aside from the training, let's give the, let's give your website again. Let people locally know, you know what, there's trainings coming up. Get to the website, sign up so we can see you there. And then maybe just whatever you'd really like to say to our listeners to encourage their involvement. Sure. So we took a little break from training over the summer. If you go to our website, um, and, um, which is www.safe, S-A-F hyphen families, F-A-M-I-L-I-E-S dot org, um, there's very easy to find um, a link there um, that's by Evenbright that when you click on, or excuse me, Eventbrite, when there you, you go. click on it, it's going to have every um, upcoming training. Like I said, we were a little lean in the summer for trainings. We have a desperate need. The last two weeks, we've had 24 kids on a waiting list that are in these horrible, dangerous situations that we have not been able to help. So oh my we're gosh. just really hoping this um, fall, we've got, uh, we've got a training every week in October around the Chicago area. I think even one Saturday we've got two. So we're in a huge recruitment effort now to draw families um, to our website to get registered for one of these links um, to just show up and, and make a huge, you know, potentially make a huge difference in not only your life, but particularly in the life of a family that so desperately needs you. And on that website, too, you're, you can maybe find out, I know we're short on time, about our national campaign, but we, over the next 18 months, are looking to find um, 2,000 new churches that are going to help us implement this because um, they really are the ones that um, can help us push this out since we are a volunteer movement, and 100,000 volunteers. So it's a very ambitious goal. It's doable if we can just keep taking advantage of, of opportunities like this, Amy, to just spread the word because it's, I think mean, a lot of people want to help. They're just not sure how, and, and right. families is a huge uh, opportunity for them. So for those of you listening today, I want to thank you so much for being with Joyce and I today. I want to encourage you to go to that Safe Families website and you know, and, and sign up for a training. You've got nothing to lose. It, you know, that way you're ready to go. And if for some reason the season of your life changes where you can just be a partner, be a friend, be a support um, and open your home, you know, God calls us to do that, to serve. So I'm just so very, very grateful for this organization. I'm excited to partner with you and be involved. And I know my mind is reeling about all the exciting things that we can do as a community to uh, best support uh, safe families, whether they're hosting or coming alongside the mom. Again, please feel free to send any questions to amy.raisingthebar at gmail.com. And I will be sure to post all of this information on my Raising the our Facebook page. So please, please hit a like to that and you'll be notified about our future shows, our future happenings with Safe Families. Joyce, any last words for anybody listening today? Well, I just want to say, you know, thank you to your listeners for for listening. Thank you for, you know, taking some of your time just to learn about um, Safe Families and to get a better understanding of, of how you could possibly get involved. So I just so appreciate that. Um, we are making a difference. If we had more time, I could tell you tons and tons of more stories. Here in the Chicago right. area, we've deflected about a third of the kids from having to go into foster care. 
that is a that's a huge huge victory in that so again thank you so much for listening please remember to uh, follow raising the bar on facebook and you can learn more about the echo foundation and our great partnership with safe families until the next time we appreciate you listening and we'll see you next week Thank you for tuning in to Raising the Bar. Please listen for another edition with your host, Amy Bredo, next Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Now, get out there and keep raising the bar.